0: hello and welcome to the horizon church podcast we exist to see lives transformed through jesus and are located in the heart of surrey bc canada to find out more visit us at horizonchurch.ca we hope this message blesses and inspires you well good morning wherever you're watching from this morning whether you're In another province, you're around the world. Uh, I was just looking on the chat, a friend of ours, a pastor in Ghana, West Africa, uh, is on this morning, Dr. Kissy Bardum, and he said, oh, I can feel the presence of the Holy Spirit here. The Holy Spirit can move however he wants, wherever he wants. You just got to lean in and, and just welcome his presence. So even if you're in that space right now, just thank you, the Holy Spirit, that you're with us this morning and leading us and guiding us. I didn't realize uh, this this morning until Jacob and Carly just said it there. This is the 50th week online. I know we had a bit of a time, I think around 10 or 12 weeks, where we were in person and online at the same time. Some of you I literally haven't seen in 50 weeks. Some of you that call Horizon Church your home, I have never seen in person. So we're thankful for that as well, that it's enabled us to, to do and reach some more people. It's wonderful that way. But I don't think that any of us, February of last year, saw this coming for sure. For sure. Um, Just, I think I said this last week, but on Family Day weekend last year, this, uh, our gymnasium slash auditorium, the foyer was filled with like 500 people eating, we're sharing food, we're doing all this stuff. And then like two weeks later, it's like, no, you stay home for the rest of your life. Like, that's what you need to do now. At least that's what it's felt like. But it's this reality if you can't see what you can't see. You can't see what you can't see. Let me explain that in this way. Uh, I was around 11 or 12 years old, and uh, my mom took me to the eye doctor, probably for some reason, uh, that I couldn't see things very well. I didn't know, though. I went to the eye doctor, uh, got my uh, prescription and then a couple of weeks later back in the olden days two or three weeks later something was mailed to me and I picked it up and uh, got some glasses and I can still remember where I was standing in the house that we lived in at the time when I put on those glasses for the first time and suddenly I saw what I had never seen before I, I remember a fly crawling across the cupboard door just doing his thing and I was like people see this all the time I can't believe this. I've been going without for so, so long, unaware of what I could not see. I could only see what I could see. But let me tell you, there's more happening right now than you can see. Because right now, if you just look through your natural eyes, you might be discouraged. You might feel like, what's going on? There's pressure in my family. There's incredible uh, stuff going on with all the effects of this pandemic. We have... Uh, suicide calls going up. We have uh, we have people that are experiencing anxiety and frustration, marital issues. People, one in uh, five people in Canada are fearful of fear of physical or verbal abuse. There's all kinds of stuff going on. And you might begin to govern yourself just by what your natural eyes see, by what you listen to on the radio, radio, some of you, but what you watch on your 24-hour news station. And you may begin to be governing yourself by what your physical senses see. But I want to tell you this morning, and we're going to talk about this, that there is more than you can see. There is more than you can see with your natural eyes this morning. And a couple of weeks ago, we started a new series uh, on this whole thing around uh, rebuilding. How can we prepare for a future that we do not see right now? How can you prepare for something that's coming so that you can be ready for it when you can't even see it right now? And when we looked at this two weeks ago, we looked at Nehemiah who is uh, an Old Testament uh, fi- historical figure. He's referenced in history probably 2,600 years ago or, or so. He was, and he came onto the scene in the book of Nehemiah, which is to the left of the book of Psalms. you find the middle of your Bible. Turn left, just a couple of books, and you'll find Nehemiah. And there he is, and he's, he's a man who 150 years prior to when we meet him, the city and the nation that he had come from would have been absolutely destroyed and they were taken into captivity and here he was in captivity as a cupbearer to a king named artaxerxes and he had many many years and generations since he had ever seen his family but or not his family his nation that he had, that he had come from but in between, one, of, one man named Ezra had been able to take back. They were allowed to go back and rebuild the temple. And so they had gone back and rebuilt the temple, but the walls had not been rebuilt, and the, the city was still vulnerable. The people were under stress and pressure, and things were not going well. And the, the gates had been burned, and every promise that God had said to them seemed to be actually not happening. There was no point. The gates were burned, the city was in disgrace, and the people were in despair. And We looked at it, and if you haven't heard it, the message yet, go back and you can find us on YouTube or on our website, horizonchurch.ca, and find uh, this, this message from two weeks ago where Nehemiah was there, and we began to see that... If we're going to move forward into what God sees for us, which we do not yet see, but which God sees, we have to be willing to let go of what was so we can be ready to embrace what is coming. Because in moments like this that are interruptions to our regular life, they are are moments where God allows an interruption so he can bring us to a new intersection and set us on a new direction in our life. Because if you continue to live in with the understanding of what was, you will not be ready for what is coming. And we're going to look at and pick up in chapter 2 of Nehemiah in this story of rebuilding. And in chapter 2 and verse 1, it says this. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I, that's Nehemiah, took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. And I was very much afraid. And we'll stop there for a moment in this moment right now, have you ever known something that needed to change, but you had no idea how to change it? You didn't know how to get ready for it. You didn't, you didn't see it. You didn't, maybe you didn't want to. Maybe it was too hard. Maybe it was too scary. Maybe you didn't know how. And Maybe it's your business and you don't know how to see it turn around. There's relationships in your life that are in chaos and you don't know how to fix it. Maybe there's major changes that you're dealing with in your family. Maybe there's financial issues. Whatever it is, you know that something needs to change, but you're not really sure how to see it change. And that's where we find Nehemiah. He had seen all this stuff and he had some ideas, but he really didn't know how it was going to all come together. And notice that it was in the month of Nisan. Now, this is not our calendar, obviously. This is a Hebrew and a Babylonian calendar. It's also not the first mention of a car in the Bible. It's a month in the Jewish calendar. And why is that important? Because in chapter 1, another month was mentioned, which was called Chislev or Kislev. And that month is equivalent to approximately November December. But Nisan is approximately March and April in our calendar today. And it means that there was four months from when Nehemiah began to pray and weep until this moment. And sometimes we forget that how important it is to continue and to contend in prayer. It doesn't always just turn on a dime. It doesn't just always turn in a moment. Sometimes there's incredible time that you have to labor in prayer and see difficulty turn and see destruction push back and see God move in a a new and a fresh way. And so sometimes you have to lean in and take time. But seemingly, suddenly, in our mind, it seems like one day But in a moment, in the month of Nisan, everything began to shift. And it's this Hebrew calendar, it's the month of barley ripening, it's the first month of spring. And I felt like as I was reading that, that there's this thing with prayer: that prayer bursts things, prayer causes spring to come forth, prayer causes harvest to happen and things that were impossible that you couldn't see move. Prayer begins to move them. That's why we continually talk about prayer here. Why we continue to talk about how important it is to pray first, not last. Because winter, when you begin to pray, pray, winter can begin to come to an end. Budding can come to begin to come forth. Flowers can begin to bloom. Some of you are sensing, even right now, in the middle of what's been going on, that spring is coming, and spring is in the air, and God is beginning to move, and God is beginning to, to birth new things, and new hope, and new vision, and new passion, and causing some things to come alive. But it's not just happening in this moment. It's happening as we've been asking, and seeking and knocking and praying and letting God examine our hearts and letting God deal with us our wicked ways and beginning to prepare us for what he wants to do coming up. So it may seem like a moment when things begin to turn, but there's a lot that went on before that moment ever begins to shift. And so if you're in a waiting moment right now, don't lean back, lean in, don't hold back, push forward and continue to pray until something happens. Something about what you have long waited for is coming. It can be a new day. It can start a new day when it's still a dark day. That's the power of what prayer does. I don't know why where all that is from, but that's where you get from the month of Nisan. My water bottle's spilling. And then we continue on with Nehemiah. He's been waiting, and suddenly the king asks him this question, what's going on? And he says, I was very much afraid. Somebody say afraid. Yep, that's it. But I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins? Its gates have been destroyed by fire. The king said to me, What is it you want? What is it you want? And then I prayed to the God of heaven. And that little quick little prayer, God help me right now, he says, basically, and I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Say rebuild. A little stronger. I can rebuild. And that word rebuild in our dictionary means to repair Especially to, get this, to dismantle and reassemble with new parts. To replace, to re-strengthen, to reinforce, to revise, to reshape to reorganizing i believe that in this season that god is dismantling some things so that he can rebuild some things in your life personally in your family in your business in our churches so that he can put in some new parts and some new ways so that we can see things shift and rebuild that's what rebuild he's revising our thinking he's restrengthening us He is reinforcing new vision. He wants to reshape your dreams and organize them around his kingdom purposes for what is to come so that we can see and go beyond what we see today. Because what you see is not all that there is. Sometimes you don't realize what you don't see until you see. How do we rebuild and move forward into what God is calling us when we can't even see it. And when it comes to change like this, it seems that we are continually hemmed in by these two statements that, around Nehemiah. It says this, I was very much afraid, and what do you want? And we know that there are things that we want to see, and we're believing that God is moving him, but the reality is there's that, and I wrestle with this thing of I am very much afraid. We stand in between these two things, and we know we need to shift, and things need to change, but we stand there, and as soon as we begin to move, we hear fear breathing down our neck. You can't do it. God has somebody special that's not you. God's going to move, but it's not going to be through you. You have nothing to offer. You you know where you come from. Do you know your background? What do you think you could do? And as we begin to start to step out, that fear begins to breathe down our neck. I was very much afraid. I think that's very often the story of our life. We stand caught in between where we are and where we hope to be. I was very much afraid. Let's see beyond where our fear has us right now. This is not your everyday fear that Nehemiah had. The, the word there means an emotional foreboding or dread or of impending distress or fortune. The first occurrence of this in the scriptures is found in Genesis 3 and in, in 10. Uh, 8 to 10, where Adam and Eve had sinned against God. And it says, God came walking in the garden, and he said, where are you? And Adam and Eve were hidden themselves because they were afraid. And see, that's what fear does. Fear causes you to withdraw, to hide, to walk away from. And in that moment, Nehemiah had a choice to make. Say, oh, there's nothing wrong here, king. Nothing, it's fine. I don't know why, I just, I, my wife yelled at me this morning. I'm a little unhappy about that, so that's why I'm fearful. But there are moments that you might be tempted to withdraw from what God called you to do and to be. There are moments when you might be so afraid that you think, turn around, let it be for somebody else. You might be so discouraged and overcome that you're like pulling back. I know that some of us are facing challenging times right now, and some of you are thinking of even walking away from things that you once held dear, thinking of walking away from your marriage, thinking of walking away from your faith, thinking of walking away from things that you once held so, so dear. Some of you have business problems that are overwhelming for you. Some of you have financial issues that you're you're trying to grapple with. Some of you are young people who are fearful of the future, of racial tensions, of environmental challenges, of expensive housing, how you're going to live and exist in a changing and expensive job market. You know that there's so much need for, for rebuilding, but there's fear is all that you can see. What fear holds you back? Fear of change, fear of future, fear of what God might take, fear of loss of control, fear of disappointment, fear of COVID, fear of vaccine, fear of not getting a vaccine, fear of gathering, fear of not gathering, fear of your family, fear of relationships, fear of whatever it might be. What is the thing that you check with before you say yes? How do you rebuild? I think the first thing Nehemiah shows us is that we must face the fear that holds me back. I must face the fear that holds me back. You know, it's interesting that the number one command in the Bible, or some form of it, is fear not. It's about 365 times in our English Bible. Interesting, 365 days. It's almost like God has to remind you, fear not before you step into your day. Fear not, fear not. And the significance of this, though, for, with Nehemiah is that in the presence of this fear, he feared and respected where God was calling him more. He stepped out in the midst of feeling like, I want to withdraw, I want to hide, and he stepped forward and said, God, I'm going to do it. Fear can mean two things. It can mean face everything and rise, or it can mean forget everything and run. What will you do? in this season, so that you're ready for a season you can't see yet. What will you do? Rise or will you run? Because if anything is going to change in us or for us or through us, it's going to take courage, which leads us to what the next thing of what the king says. What is it that you want? What is it that you want? What is it you want, he said? How do we rebuild? We must understand that their fear is very real, but the favor that God has on my life is just as real and it's far more powerful. Prayer opens up unusual favor. Allow God to cause you to dream again in a season where everything seems like it's not working out. Allow God's favor to cause you to dream and believe afresh and again in the middle of it all. Fear is overwhelming you, but God's fear is over top of you right now. When I read this, I was so convicted. Do I believe that God can give me this kind of favor? Do I have the courage to boldly ask God? Am I living small because I'm not believing big? Wow. Because when God asks you to rebuild, he doesn't just say, hey, deal with your fear. He also reminds you that my favor is on your life. And think about it. If God or someone asked you, why do you want, what do you want, what would your answer be? To be more comfortable, to things to make make your life easier, to get you a new car? Maybe you want to do all those things. But are you praying big prayers, believing that the God of the Bible, the favor of God, is not only for you, it's on your life? Nehemiah could not change the king. Only God could do that. So many of us are facing situations that we're trying to manipulate to change. We're trying to change in our own strength we're trying to bully people into change but what if we begin to believe and see that god would say to you what is it that you want and begin to pray bold prayers begin to pray big prayers begin to ask god to do in this season get me ready oh god for what is coming so that i i am ready for what i don't see right now that you begin to shape me in this moment because here's the here's the truth of whatever you face First Peter reminds us by his divine power, all no, sorry, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him. I have everything I need. I have access to it in and through Jesus. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to try and beg God for it. I have access to it as I follow and know Jesus. So when God has called us to something, let's believe that he has given me favor. So whatever you're facing today, thank you that you have favor in my business, Lord. Thank you that you're giving me favor right now in this incredible season. Favor in my immigration process. Thank you, God, that you're giving me favor in my job. Thank you, God, that you're leading me into my next step after university. Thank you that you're giving us favor in our marriage. Thank you that you're giving us favor in my dreams. Thank you that you're giving favor to see loved ones return back to you. Thank you that you're giving favor to cause a church to come alive. That we're not going to come out of this season less. We're going to come out stronger. We're going to come out more engaged with what God has for us. Because we're not going to be led by fear. We're going to be led by favor of God. Whatever you fear, God's favor is greater. And then he prays this in chapter, or says this in chapter, or verse five. He said, told the king a whole bunch of things, which I don't have time to get into, of what he needed. And he said, Let him, to the king, let you send me to the city so that I can rebuild it. And as we look to rebuild, understand that God gives vision to me. I don't have to work it up. I don't have to wonder about it, but God gives vision to me, and it might be hard to see right now. Yesterday, I was driving uh, in an area where there had been snow, and the, and the, the, the mud and the dirty water was going up on the window, and I had run out of windshield washer, and I it was just using it very sparingly so I could see through there to try and see what was happening and because I, I couldn't see right then, but I had to get it cleared off so that I could see clearly. And in moments like this, it might be difficult to see and have a vision for the future. But Acts 2 reminds us that the Holy Spirit came to cause and the Holy Spirit would come upon all flesh and young and old people would prophesy. We would be dreamers. We would be visionaries. It didn't say except for in difficult, Dark COVID times, you won't be able to see as well. You won't be able to have vision. You won't be able to dream. In those moments as well, we have access to the Holy Spirit who can, in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of dark season, in the middle of wondering what the next future might look like for you and wherever you're at, that God would cause new vision, that God would cause a fresh awakening, that God would cause a new understanding to come in your heart and life right now. We need to be people that are hearing from God not just speaking to God, because what got us here will not get us there. We need a fresh vision for the future. We need to see, we need to see past where we are for your family, your business, take and spend time. And if I can ask you to do anything, you say, well, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. Well, take and spend some time in prayer, and and even if it's just sitting and being quiet and listening to the Lord, and if you're asking him to speak to you, he will speak to you. Take a pad and a pencil and write out whatever God shows you because he has a vision for your future and that which concerns you. And so understand that God gives vision. We understand that. But here as well, when this moment came and he went, we can't just pray, we can't just plan, We need to do something. And sometimes as Christians, we can be good at praying. We can be good at planning. But God wants us to be good at doing. That our prayer and our planning always leads to action in the middle of it all. So that when you begin to do something, though, in verse 10, it says this, the enemy was very much disturbed. Have you ever had that when somebody in your life, maybe you came home and you discovered that your spouse was very much disturbed? I've had that before. You didn't have to tell me. I just knew it. That very much disturbed because, usually, because I had not done something or I had done something without con- consulting and checking. But when you rise up and build, the enemy will rise up and disrupt. And when does opposition come? At the heart stage? No. At the planning stage? Nope. At the vision stage? Nope opposition almost always comes when you are making progress so if you're experiencing some opposition right now you just shake it off a little bit and say thank you god that i might be fearful right now thank you that your favor is on my life lord jesus thank you that you're making a way for me but i thank you that i am progressing by you Don't mistake opposition for abandonment. We're going to talk more about that in a couple of weeks. Just the opposition that you can expect as you begin to move forward in your life. But don't stop moving simply because you're experiencing opposition. Opposition is often a very good clear Our clue, that you are on the right track. You're saying, I'm trying to serve God, and I keep bouncing up against it. I'm battling through this, and I'm trying that. It's all right. You begin to be like Nehemiah was at the beginning. You continue to cry out to the Lord. You thank God for his favor on your life. You thank him that he's leading you. Thank him for his vision. And finally, opposition means progress. Don't quit in the dip. Don't quit in a dip. And all that means is anytime you've tried to do something or step into it, you start and you're full of energy and life, and it's going to be amazing, and you're going to do it. And then after a week or so, maybe a day, maybe five minutes, you lose some energy and some vision for it and it dips. Your motivation seems to wane. W- 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 what's the word? Wane. I had wade and fa- wane and fade, and so I said, wane <laughs> begins to wane a little bit in that moment. Don't quit in the dip. The opposition, you keep standing in for your family. You keep standing in for your marriage. You keep standing in for the dream of God on your life. You keep standing even when you can't see what the future holds. God sees it. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. You can't see what you can't see. But God would do in this season, cause your eyes to be open to the possibility and the plan of what he wants to do don't expect momentum for you to happen without opposition against you and then there's just a couple more things and we'll be done i notice in verse 11 that nehemiah said i had not told anyone what god had put in my heart there is a time there are people that you can share your heart with that are full of life full of faith but there are other people who don't, please don't share your dream with them until God says. Because sometimes they're professional dream killers, they're people that have no vision. There are people that have no faith. There are people maybe that are still living in the disappointment of what was. And we pray for them and pray that God helps them. But those are not the people to share what God is showing you with. They're the people who will squelch your dreams. They're the people who will pop your balloon. They're the people who will trip you when you're trying to run. And I'm not talking about people who will give you feedback. I'm talking about dream killers. And you know them when you're around them. Hey, is it a beautiful day? I see a dark cloud coming. There's like 98% blue sky, but it's a cloud. It's coming. I'm sure it's going to rain. Oh, okay. I got a new car. It looks like the tires are really old. Oh, come on. Thank you. There are people that just think like that. Those are not the people to talk with about what God's showing you and and trying to reveal to you. then down in verse 17, Nehemiah, after some time, says this. He said to them, he said to them, notice it wasn't him alone anymore. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. Every dream that God would put in your heart is always bigger than you can do by yourself. You are made for and need community. The church is at its strongest, not when there's a bunch... 300 people doing their own thing. It's when there's 300 or 500 or 5,000 people working together, maybe in groups of five, and groups of 10, but we're working together. We're committed to one another. We're serving one another. We're loving one another. We're working for one another, and we're saying, God, would you do something through us? Would you rebuild the wall around this this family relationship right now of my friend? God, would you rebuild the wall around Canada? God, would you rebuild the wall around the dream that I feel like? Would you take out what I don't need and replace it with something new so that god that you could do something through us that is bigger because here's the beauty of it then we will no longer be in disgrace god wants to take us out of despair out of delay out of destruction out of discouragement out of disappointment and begin to build and rebuild your life your dreams what he created you for so that you can be and do what he's called you to And it reminds me of Jesus in Matthew 16 and 18. He said, I will build my church that's my people. It's not a building. It's my church, my group of people. I will build them, and the gates of hell will not prevail against them. That means that no matter what, when I am following Jesus, no matter what season I'm in, no matter what darkness I'm walking through, no matter what difficulty I'm in right now, that Jesus is building me, and the gates of hell can't stop me. No plan of hell, no scheme of man can ever stop what God has put me in his hand for imagine what would happen as he favors you to rebuild and reposition with fresh ideas with fresh perspectives to your business you've been trying to make it happen and you can't figure it out imagine what would happen if you just took a moment and said god show me where you're favoring me right now show me what to do i know i thought i should go this way but where would you have me to go That he can build and rebuild your marriage into something that right now seems impossible, something thriving, something amazing. That the neighbors that around you that you've been trying to reach out to and you say, I don't know how I'm ever going to have a way into their life. I don't know, God. Imagine what would happen when Jesus is building his church. The gates of hell are not going to stop the forward movement of the church of Jesus. That Jesus sees a church that can be a force for good in the neighborhood, that can be a force of love in the neighborhood, that can be a force of reconciliation in our culture, that can be a force that says, no matter where you've been through, what what you've been through, where you've come from, that there's hope for your life, that we can be the church that feeds the sick, that helps the widow, that helps the orphan, that we can be the one that goes about uh, healing the sick and proclaiming the good news that Jesus has risen and anything is possible for you because he said, I will build my church. See, the, Jeremiah was talking about an actual wall. Jesus was talking about the people that he is building to push forward, push back darkness. We are not on the defensive. We are here to push back darkness, to push back to every place where the enemy Has had authority and movement. And in this moment, that wherever we're at, whether you're a university grad, whether you're a senior citizen, that you would allow God to say, see something new for the future. Don't let what you see determine what you see because what you see is not all there is to see that, God would al- that you would uh, allow God to give you a new perspective to beat back fear to help you to face your fear to help you to walk in the favor of God to help you to understand that God's vision is for your life and to understand that the opposition that you're experiencing does not mean that you're on your back foot it actually means that God is moving in you and through you and for you so that you can see one day what you don't see right now, you only see in your heart because God is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against you, will not prevail against your marriage, will not prevail against your family, will not prevail against the dream of God that he's called you to. And you stand in this moment and say, Jesus, I take you at your word that you are building me. You're building my life. I want you to take a few moments right now and it's kind of a two-part thing. Some of you need to face your fear and thank God for His favor. That's step one for you. You're not ready to dream right now. You have to face your fear and thank God for His favor. And some of you, maybe that's you. And just put, if you're watching online, put a hand up on or a thumbs up. Say, that's me, Pastor. I need to face my fear and I need to thank God for His favor so that I can even begin to see a vision. I first have to allow God to deal with my fear. And then, There are some of you that, I feel good, Pastor. I feel God's fear. I feel no fear, and I feel God's favor. And you need to ask God to give you a fresh vision and strength through the opposition. Fresh vision and strength to push through the opposition. Thank you, God, for your provision. Thank you, God, for strength through the opposition. I want to pray for those two things in a moment. Those that need to face their fear and thank God for his favor. Those that need to Say, God, thank you for your, provision, your vision and strength through all the opposition. But maybe you're in a space, in a place where you're like, Craig, I have no idea if I'm right with God. In fact, I know I'm not right with God. And I'm not sure that this, what you've talked about, that God's favor on my life, that God having a vision for my life that, that the opposition that I'm experiencing, I feel so victimized by the situations of life. Let me tell you right now that there is a God who sees you. And as you heard maybe earlier, and he knows you, he knows your name. He's not just a God out there. He's a God that's alive. He, Jesus Christ died, buried, and rose again so that the impossible could uh, become possible. That we who were once outsiders can become insiders and part of the family of God. And if you don't know if you're right with God, let me encourage you right now to just take the first step, which to repent and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Seven little words, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And what happens in that moment, if you're praying it from your heart, that Jesus comes in and begins to lead your life and begins to take you out of, the, out of where the enemy has victimized you and life has broken you and, and where maybe you've realized that I haven't lived with purpose and destiny in mind, that Jesus begins to lead you forward in all that so i'm going to pray first for those of you that are making a decision for jesus let us know and they'll tell you on the chat how to do that but lord right now i thank you for people right now whether it's a sunday morning or a thursday night whenever this is being watched that are making a decision for jesus right now that are saying god be merciful to me a sinner thank you lord that as they pray that pray that prayer from their heart that moment in a moment they're transported from death to life they're per- transported from being an outsider to being part of the family of god you forgive their sins and and begin to lead them in the way of life and lord i pray for those that right now are are dealing with fear and need to know your 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 peace in the place of fear whatever we're fearing right now in our life we release it to you lord we say your kingdom come your will be done on earth and i receive your favor thank you that your favor surrounds me like a shield And Lord, those that are doing well in that area but need a fresh vision, Lord, I pray that we would take some time and allow you to give us a new vision, to give us a new perspective, to help us to see more clearly, more than meets the eye in these moments, and that we will have the strength to press through all the opposition that we might face so that we can do what you've called us to do, and we can come out of a place that we're in into the vision that you have for our life. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said... Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.